What more can one say? This is game seven. So this week of playoff hockey has taught us anything is that you should never bet on playoff hockey. I know I said it when the play in rounds first started. Uh, I said, none of this is going to go the way you expected. And that was the only thing I was right about. Cause I'm getting almost all of these series wrong and I hate it. I am just like, I don't even know how many of these I'm getting right. Maybe one or two in each conference. And I'm a little upset about it. Not going to lie. I haven't watched many of the games, but God damn it. It hasn't been going the way I, I thought it would, and therefore it went exactly like how I thought I would. I'm always right. I'm a big brain genius like Jordan. Welcome, everyone, to episode 11 and our third playoff edition of the Little Hockey Podcast. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Little Hockey Instagram. You'll notice Jordan was busy at work this week uh, changing things up. You want to talk about what you did there, Jordan? Yeah, this week we, uh, we've rebranded the podcast for the playoffs. We're now no longer a Sens and Leafs podcast. We are a Carolina Hurricanes and Colorado Avalanche podcast. So uh, make sure you tell all of your Hurricanes and Avalanche fans to, uh, or yeah, fan friends to tune into the show because we're going to be focusing mainly on those two teams. Um, and uh, follow along on, on Twitter and Instagram for us. Uh, um, we're going to be shamelessly showing our long-time support for these two teams. We're not just bandwagon hopping here. We, we've always loved these two teams, right, Keeks? Oh, absolutely. I've been a Cahane's fan since I can remember, you know, watching Cam Ward in 06 and uh, uh, the Hartford Whalers. I loved mm-hmm. watching Gordie Howe play for the that, like, half season or whatever it was. Yeah, totally. yeah, you totally. absolutely, you absolutely were alive. Absolutely, when the Hartford Whalers were still in Hartford. Yeah, especially um, when Gordy Howe was on it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Keegs. And speaking of uh, your predictions here, I just pulled up everything, and I, I think I'm oh. doing pretty well so far in this. Uh, you less so, but uh, I think yeah. Uh, there's only one or two series that I, I picked the winner, and that team is not currently leading or tied in their in their series. So, uh, yeah, maybe I am the big brain genius, and you are the small brain dum dum. Uh, there are two series, two series that I predicted that are going the way I thought they would. Only two in the entire first round of the playoffs so far. Also, yeah. play-ins are not the first round. Can we can we agree on that? This yeah, is the first it, round of the playoffs. This is the first round. Of the, it, it's so stupid because the NHL, for the whole return to play stuff, they were talking about, uh, you know, the postseason and the playoffs. And then they were talking about the play-in round and they kept saying it was the playoffs, but oh, sorry, it's not the playoffs. It's the play-ins and it's the postseason. It's like, I, okay, now I think we can actually say that we're in the playoffs. 
Okay, now before we deep dive into all these series and how smart Jordan is and how dumb I am, um, before we fully get to this Colorado. You just went full robot there, Keeks. Oh, come on. Yeah. And oh, I'll, I'll say um, it, it may not be just your internet tonight. Uh, my internet has been crapping out on us all weekend. It's the storm, uh, right? No, no. This was like Friday night. Our internet went out for like 14 hours. Um, so to everybody listening, uh, throw your Rogers modems in the garbage, please. Uh, just uh, in, in a sign of solidarity for, uh, for me here because holy smokes. I, I was at, I was at a, um, a, like a family cottage over the weekend, so I didn't have to put up with it. But since we've been home for like four hours, we've had to reset our modem like six times. It's insane. So there's a, there's a pretty good chance that we're going to have to pause the recording tonight because I have to unplug my modem and plug it back in to uh, kickstart my internet here. Um, am, am I still sounding like a robot? No, no, you're sounding fine now. It, it looks like it, it's, uh, it's okay Stabilized. for a few minutes here, yeah. But uh, just a fair warning to our listeners that there's a pretty good chance that we're going to have to pause in the middle of the show here and then pick it up uh, a few minutes later. I apologize for that in advance, but it's, we work with what we can do, right? Yeah. So as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, um, before we hop into the deep look at the playoffs and how Jordan's really smart and I'm apparently really dumb, um, and before we fully transition to Colorado and Carolina, let's talk one last time about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Jordan, I'm going to let you start us off here. How did you feel after game five? Oh, it was, it was infuriating. Um, just watching the team. It was, it was such a bad showing in an elimination game. Um, basically from the drop of the puck, it, it, they never felt like they were going to win. When they were down, I didn't have the hope that I thought I would uh, for them to come back from a deficit uh, like they did in game four. Um, and then that, uh, that, the second goal that went in on Anderson was just a... Muffin. Oh, like it was tough because the line change that happened was a terrible change, but also you can't let in a goal from the goal line on the, like in the corner. It it was, it was a brutal goal to give up like for the entire team, let alone just Anderson. Did Um, it seem like he was kind of cheating towards the pass a little bit? uh, It it doesn't matter either way. It went off his knee and went in. It was a, it was a, shot from the goal line that bounced in off of him. It, it was brutal and it was, yeah, it was soul crushing, but uh, it didn't feel nearly as bad as when I went and listened back to our episode um, from that. We recorded the night of the the game and uh, I, I was like shredding the Pittsburgh Penguins for their terrible um, showing in an elimination game. And they got uh, shut out against Montreal. And I was like, you can't do that with all the firepower that you have. And then my dumbass team goes out and does the exact same thing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that left me with a little bit of egg on my face. But um, overall, uh, it, it, it didn't feel great on Monday to have the team go out that way. Um, just because there was so much hope and it seemed like they were turning a corner with that game four performance. Um, and just to have that all shatter in front of you, like – I should have seen it coming, obviously, because that's that's just existence as a Leafs fan. But um, I 
I, I'm starting to feel a little bit better about it now. I'm not like super optimistic. Like this is actually a good thing to happen to the team. No, that's stupid. Yeah. Um, I, but I am a little bit more uh, conscious of the fact that a lot of the better teams in those play-in series lost. Pittsburgh is a better team than Montreal. Um, Toronto and Columbus were pretty close. Um, well, yeah, it's the but, eight versus the nine, right? Like, yeah, the eight versus the nine. But then, like, Arizona beating Nashville, I don't think Arizona overall is a better team than Nashville is. I think that Darcy Kemper is playing out of his mind, and he still is against Colorado. It's insane the number of shots he's facing. Um, I don't think Chicago is a better team than Edmonton. Um, I don't think that it, when healthy, I don't think that Carolina is better, or sorry, that Calgary is better than a healthy uh, Winnipeg team. But, uh, you know, that's the nature of a, of a short series, right? The, the less games you're playing, the more random the results are going to be. That, that's just the nature of sports and particularly hockey because of how even all of the teams are. Uh, so it, it is a little bit of solace to take in the fact that, you know, a few good bounces, uh, you know, yeah, a few bounces going the other way would have been the difference between the Leafs getting into this actual playoff round and them, uh, you know, being at home until next season like they currently are. It kind of seemed like, Toronto, in a way, won that series in game four. Like, it seems like the players' mindset was, oh, my God, we did this huge comeback. We did it. Like, that was their we did it of the series. It wasn't, yeah, yeah. we – it wasn't the, yeah, we, we made it to the next round. It's, yeah, we did it. We came back from this game, and that was, that was it. They had no – they just didn't have anything else to give. Absolutely. I, I think that that's a good point, Keeves. And I think that goes back to the, um, like the immaturity that I think is the main issue with the Leafs right now is that, you know, they, they came back from being down three goals um, in the last few minutes of an elimination game. So then all of a sudden they feel invincible, right? Yeah. Uh, and they think, yeah, like we, we did that. We can like coast into this next game and we, we can just take it no problem. Nope. So I, I think it's just that immature mentality that they've got right now. I, you know, to, to move ahead into like some of the postmortem stuff on the Leafs here. I don't, I don't believe that the Leafs need to blow anything up. And it seems like the team doesn't think that either. They're not going to move on from any of the, the big four guys this summer. Um, and I, I highly doubt that Morgan Riley would be on the outs too. Um, it's, it's going to be a lot of depth players that are moved around and a lot of defensemen that are brought in. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved on from Frederick Anderson this summer. I don't think they're going to re-sign him um, when his contract expires in a year. Um, so the, the team is going to look a lot differently than they, they currently do, but I don't think that core is going to change really. Like there's still going to be Austin Matthews, John Tavares, uh, Mitch Marner, William Elander on this team next year. And I, I bet, like, you know, both dollars that I have that uh, Morgan Riley will be with the team as well. It, it's going to be those bottom six forwards like um, Janssen, Kapanen. You know, yeah, Janssen, Kapanen, maybe Kerfoot. Um, it, you know, he, he seems like he's a pretty good player. I just don't know if the fit in Toronto is right. Um, 
and even if it is like a pretty good fit, it just seems like he's the kind of guy that you have to move in order to uh, get some get some salary off of the the salary cap for the team he's to help improve in other areas. He's not a core member, right? If you're not, part yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you're not part of those those four guys plus Morgan Riley, then uh, yeah, you're you're you you you've got a pretty good chance that you're going to be moving this off season. I mean, I would even put Riley part of the core, like. I know he's not the big he's not part of the big four, but he's still part of the core. I I it's tough because uh Morgan Riley's contract is is getting close to being uh over as well. Um and you, actually, you know what? I, I think there are six guys that are highly unlikely to be moved. I don't think Jake Muzzin is going anywhere either because he's the exact kind of player that the Leafs are gonna be going after now. Um it it's it's not going to be surprising to see them sign some uh, bigger guys that have more grit to their game, uh, but still yeah. have still have some finishing or playmaking skill on top of that. Like uh, I, I read an article from the uh, Toronto Sun this week uh, where I think it was uh, I, I don't remember who wrote it, but uh, they talked to Wendell Clark, and Wendell Clark was like, "Yeah, the Leafs need a guy like um, Nick Foligno." And I, I was kind of surprised that that was the name that was going to come out of Wendell Clark's mouth. Cause you know, whenever somebody talks to former players about what the Leafs need, it's always like, Oh yeah, they need to go out and they need to get like uh, Darcy Tucker or Ty Domi or something. It's like, no, we don't need to do that. Nick Foligno is a pretty, he, he's a pretty good forward. He's put up 30 goals in the NHL before. Um, but Once. just the way, that, yeah, but he, he was able to do it. Right. Yeah. It, so it, was Rafi Torres. Yeah. Oh, shit, really? Rafi Torres has a 30-goal season. Oh, fuck. Well, I think Nick Foligno is a much better player than Rafi Torres was. But uh, I mean, I think most people will agree with you, but it's, yeah. it's still a point to be made. It's, it's just the, what uh, Foligno was doing to the Leafs forwards in that series. And the same goes with Boone Jenner, too, right? It's just those guys that can go in, that can uh, put some physical pressure onto the, uh, the opposing team's defenseman trying to break out of the zone. That's that's kind of what the Leafs forwards don't do, whether or not that's just their playing style or it's a team strategy overall. I I, I would lean more towards it's the players versus the team style. So if you can get some guys that are going to go in there and bump into the defenders and put some physical pressure on them to move the puck, then uh, I think that'll help out their forecheck a lot. And And then it's... You don't have to rely so much on your defense to break up a transition play if you're able to slow things down or uh, get the defenders to make some mistake when they're trying to break out of their zone against the Leafs. Yeah, it makes sense. I was listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast uh, earlier yesterday, and a name that brought was brought up that hurt me a little bit was Mark Borvieski. I know. I, I heard that too, and I, I was like, oh, boy. Um, Not happening. I, yeah, you don't think I I not I'd be surprised, but it does seem like he's not uh, going to be with the Senators next season. What makes you say that? Uh well, it it's just he's um I don't know, he took all of the Senators stuff out of his uh, Instagram bio, you know, like tons of players have done that before and it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but um if they were going to keep him around next season, what's keeping them from signing him now, right? Um, yeah I guess that's true yeah it's not like they need to negotiate like a six million dollar deal with him he's going to be 
you know, maybe a million, maybe for a couple seasons. He's not, he's not looking for a huge big ticket contract. He, well, he's over 30. So he's, he'd be lucky. He's over 30 and he's a bottom pairing defenseman who can kill penalties. He's getting two or three years at most. And, you know, I don't know what his underlying numbers are and that that's going to be a key factor with the Leafs. Um, Yeah. They're stats guys. Yeah. Well, advanced advanced stat guys. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, his underlying numbers there. I like I, I don't know what those look like. What he, uh, how he compares to some of the other defenders that the Leafs already have. But uh, you know, if if his underlying numbers show that he's like a, you know, he uh, he breaks even or he's a little bit above breaking even in terms of shot share or expected goals and things like that then yeah, by all means, bring him in because he's not going to be super expensive. And um, he adds grit. Yeah. One thing I want to say about that is that Kyle Dubas said that their tracking numbers for Cody Cece were good. Yes. So you got, you got to think about what stats they're looking at too, right? Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people online getting like upset about that because the uh, it's the same thing with John Chaika's internal stats that got him the job with Arizona it's like well there's no really there's not a way to test those stats against the public data because they're keeping them secret right so they those guys can say that they've got magic beans all they want but until they can show everybody that these magic beans actually grow into giant bean stocks then really they're they're just you know selling you beans and calling them magic ones um yeah, Arizona, and there's no further proof than that than everyone expecting Arizona to do something these last few years and take that next step, take the next step, and then yeah. nothing happening. Yeah, but all of that being said, my interpretation of Dubas's uh, support of CC was maybe it's it's just me being naive or something, but he, uh, the kind of person that Kyle Dubas seems to be to me, it looked more like him trying not to sewer a guy who is on his way to free agency. Because it sure seems like Cody Cece's career depends on this offseason. And if Kyle Dubas comes out in like the end of year press conference and says, yeah, Cody Cece was garbage and he's not going to be back next year. That's not really going to do anything for Cody Cece, the person going into a free agency, right? And Kyle Dubas seems like he's... He's a player's GM. Yeah, he's a player's GM, and he's going to – to me, anyways, it seems like he's kind of saying, like, Cody Cece isn't going to be back next year. He's not – he didn't – he never reached the potential that people saw in him when he was drafted. But he's not as bad as everybody says he is. No, he's worse. (laughs) He is. Cody Cece is not an NHL defenseman. Yeah, I I couldn't believe the shot – and the pass back-to-back games like holy shit man the only that, reason that, why Cody CC scored is because someone happened to be standing four feet on the four feet beside the net and it hit him yeah That's and like I don't want this I don't want to turn this into like a Cody CC shred fest here because like it he's already taken it on the chin a hundred million times online Twitter does um, that enough yeah but kind of to get to get to the point of what I was trying to to say earlier was that uh Cody Cece, by all accounts of people in the media and in hockey and even just in the community in Ottawa, 
He's a really nice guy. A lot of people have a lot of respect for him and have a lot of time for him. And it seems like Kyle Dubas looked at it and said, he's not a great hockey player, but I like him as a person and he deserves another shot to prove that he can play at this level. Toronto was his next shot. not going to be here. No, no, I I understand Dubas saying that, but like Toronto was his other shot. There's going to be another team that takes him on like a league minimum deal and says like, okay, you've got this season to like sort out your career. Uh, we think we can help you out by playing you on like the bottom pair. Yeah, and it's now or never. Your job is when you get the puck, you fire it to like one of our actually talented players and then you get the hell off the ice. <laughs> well, if, what if this, what if we're trying on the ice? What if it's the coaches behind it? So they, um, Paul McFarlane's gone now, right? Both assistants are gone. Both assistants are gone. So a lot of chatter around hockey media is suggesting that Bruce Boudreaux, former coach of the Minnesota Wild, and before that he coached the Anaheim Ducks. And before that he was Washington, wasn't he? Yeah. So people are suggesting that this guy, who had a successful head coaching career, could become a Leafs assistance coach. Probably the most expensive assistant coach in the entire league, but the Leafs have the money to do that. Yeah, but uh, he does seem to be a gigantic Leafs fan too. Um, well, he's a Leafs homer. By all accounts. Yeah, he's like, uh, I was listening to 31 Thoughts this week too, and uh, Elliot Friedman said that, um, you know, when Boudreaux's, when Boudreaux's watching hockey, if his team isn't playing, he's watching the Leafs. And when he goes home from from like uh, the games that he was coaching, he turns on the Leafs and he watches them. He probably so, has season uh, tickets. He used to, he used to play for them. I think his mom might have season tickets. Um, Doesn't he live in Toronto, like in the off season as well? Probably from Toronto. Yeah. So all the more um, reason. Yeah, it, like it would be insanely cool if Bruce Boudreaux decided to be an assistant coach and come to the Leafs because like, holy shit, all that guy does is make the playoffs and losing game seven. Uh, well, that's why we've got Sheldon Keefe. He gets to be the guy that, that loses in game seven. Yeah. Well, maybe you, <laughs> and, and maybe you, 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 guys... know, you know what, you know what Keegan friggin' Mike Babcock also lost in game seven, two years in a row against the same team, same coach. So uh, almost, yeah. Almost like the exact same team. Yeah. True. Well, maybe you guys and Bruce Boudreaux can get over that hump together. Yeah. And you know, you know how we're going to do that? How? Joe Thornton. Fuck off. <laughs> Joe Thornton. If Joe Thornton goes to Toronto, does Spezza return? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think Jason Spezza has to come back to Toronto. Not like, I'm sorry. I don't think it's, I think Toronto needs Spezza I think to come Jason back. Spezza, I think Toronto needs Jason Spezza. That's the, the right way to put it, yeah. Um, I, I think that team with all of those young guys and all that skill, they need the um, old guy without a cup to play for. I think that is going to give them focus. And if they've got uh, Jason Spezza and uh, Greybeard Joe Thornton, I, I think those guys are going to give them a – that push and give them that perspective that like, Hey, you guys are talented and really, really skilled, but so are, so were we, and we've gone our entire careers with two Stanley cup finals appearances total combined. 
Yeah, you've so got future hall, future hall of Famer Joe Thornton and fringe Hall of Frame, Famer Jason Spezza on your team. Future uh, Senators Ring of Honor player Jason Spezza. I'd be surprised if they give him that. Oh, well, they're not retiring his number, I don't think. Oh, hell they no. probably should. They probably should. Well, he, like, Ottawa to this day is still trying to... Yeah, you... We have not had yeah, a true you, number one center since Jason Spezza. Yeah, you ro- you roboted out again there, Geeks. Ah, come on. Yeah, but I, I kind of get the gist of what you were saying, that since they traded Spezza, they've been trying to replace Spezza. Yeah, yeah. basically. Um, all right, so that, that's about it for the Leafs talk that we had. Um, what about uh, some news that happened... This past week, since our last uh, episode, we had uh, the Rangers win the draft lottery. Um, uh, they cheated. Yeah, no, they, got, I, I, they got the Minnesota ball to hit the Leafs ball out of the way. Yeah, that's right. That's how the Rangers uh, cheated. Not that uh, the uh, the guy dropped it into the chute without getting the logo verification. Is that what happened? Yeah, that was the that was the only team's ball that didn't have their logo verified by Gary Bettman. Uh, probably because it was either too hot or too cold. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. You're just going full right. conspiracy since you lost out on Lafreniere, aren't you? I, I wasn't a conspiracy theorist until I saw that Leafs ball jump up in there. I, I think maybe they dropped a penny or something into it to make sure it couldn't actually fly up the chute. It's like, nope, not happening. Get down there. Yeah. They probably filled the Edmonton one with cement or something. Yeah, it's like, you are not moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so the Rangers ended up winning. I don't know if we clearly stated that, but the New York yeah, the, Rangers, the Rangers get the first pick, which second overall pick last year, first overall pick this year. Go fuck yourself. Honestly, I don't really care. Like the the Rangers are are whatever. Um, they're going to be a goddamn powerhouse in a few years. So the Leafs better win their cup soon, or else they're going to have to play against uh, that team. Uh, and I, I don't want to have to put up with that because, yeah, those that Rangers team looks like it's going to be deadly in a few years. Well, the reason why I am a little butthurt about it is because a rebuild should not be as easy as the Rangers are making it look. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Right? Yeah. They, yeah, they never totally bottomed out. They've always been kind of around the fringes of the playoffs. Win the lottery and, anyway. Yeah, they win the lottery twice anyways. Um <sighs> And, and and they get and they get uh, Panarin and they have probably the next best goalie in the league um, in uh, Shusterkin, or at least and then they they've also got a really good backup who could probably be a starter on a bunch of other teams in Georgiev, and they have future Hall of Famer Henrik Lundqvist in that. So it's it's like holy shit, guys! It's um, basically it's basically like the Penguins going directly from. Uh, Mario Lemieux to Sidney Crosby. And then Flurry to Murray to back-to-back Cups. Yeah. Well, no, because I don't think Lundqvist comes back to the Rangers next year. That is a conversation for another time, but that's that's yeah. my opinion. I With the flat cap, they're either going to buy him out or sell or something. But the, <laughs> the Rangers are looking scary. That Zibanejad for Brassard deal looks worse and worse every day. Um, oh yeah, that that deal's so bad. Bad. Now. bad. Now, was that Pierre Dorian or was that uh, that was Brian? Pierre Dorian's first year? Ooh, you know what else? You know what other trade he made that year? Uh, Jonathan Dolan 
for Alex Burroughs. Which, like... Turned out to be non-consequential. At the time, he got absolutely skewered for it. And I I think that the Senators probably won it, even though... Even though um, Burroughs didn't finish out his contract with the Senators and like really beyond the playoff run, um, he didn't do anything with them. But we got but him for the playoffs. They got them, yeah. They got him for that playoff run, and that was. Um, I, I I think he he was, if he wasn't a key player in it, he was definitely a contributor. And they may not have gotten to the conference finals without him. Yeah, he was pain in the ass of everyone that he was on the ice with, including yeah. the Senators. Oh, Jesus. I've always fucking hated that guy. Always. He's just got that face, you know? Like, just want to feed him your shoe or something. He's got a very punchable face. Oh, yeah. Him? Remember when him and Max Lapierre were both on Vancouver? And Ryan Kessler? Like, that little trio of shitheads? Oh, my God. That You know, last week when we were trying to pick uh, some teams to to, um, follow, and you suggested Vancouver... Those three guys are the reasons why I vetoed the Canucks. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get that. They were the worst. Um, but I, Yeah, I've got, I've got a note on here about uh, playoff officiating. Did you want to jump ahead to that? Or you yeah. still got stuff on the – yeah? Okay. I got nothing to say about the Rangers anymore, so I'm good to move on. Uh, as cool. for playoff officiating, I think you've noticed it more than I have because I have not watched a round one game so far. Yeah, you've been pretty busy with um, vehicle issues and work. Um, whereas, like, I've been able to have games on in the background while I'm at work, just as, like, some noise and something to tune into every so often. And uh, so I've, I've caught a, f- a bit more than you. But it's just kind of – it's an evergreen issue for me because I hate how playoff games are um, called by referees in the NHL. I hate it so it's much. It's not hockey. No, it, it, yeah, it's just, um, I, I don't even know what it is. If, if it's just preferences of the old people that run the league and the, I don't know, the, the meatheads that think that um, hockey is better played when the, the rules are ignored. Like, there's a reason why we have, why, why the sport has uh, rules. And, it's just infuriating to see the rule book thrown out the window in a playoff game and, you know, shredded to pieces in the last five minutes of the game. And then those pieces burnt to ash in overtime. And then once you get past like a certain point in overtime, those ashes are buried and then the earth is set on fire. Um, <laughs> it's, it's insane to me to watch like some of the shit that goes on and gets uncalled or, just anything like um in overtime the uh the game one tampa bay columbus the one that uh where they played for six straight days yep um the goal that tampa bay scored came immediately after a columbus breakaway where the guy was essentially tackled from behind no call yeah i heard about that tampa bay comes down and scores immediately it it's it's infuriating like if if i was a coach or player uh in the NHL, like, oh, I could only wish. But um, I would probably spontaneously combust if I saw something like that happen and it negatively affected my team. You'd I be acting like Rod Brindamore? Oh, my God. $25,000 wouldn't have stopped me. <laughs> I'd have come back right again the next game and been like, this is bullshit. I can't believe these 
fucking idiots are calling that are not calling things or then they don't call it one game and then they do call it the next game or they call it in the first period and they don't call it in the second it's it's nuts my my biggest issue is all of the subjectivity in the rule book with the nhl like here's a hot take for you i am i am a fan of the puck over the glass penalty yep i i like it i i think that nhl players who can fire a puck a hundred miles an hour need to be responsible enough to keep it inside the playing area especially when you have uh, an audience a live audience sitting in the stands somebody has died from getting hit by an nhl shot um, there's a reason why we have netting up behind the nets people get hurt minimize the risk of that by making the players keep the puck in the playing area like it shouldn't it shouldn't be an easy out for you to just flip the puck over the glass and then you get a, a face off no that's a penalty yeah. and i like that it is entirely objective it is oh you flip the puck over the glass it didn't hit another player and it didn't hit the glass that's a penalty go to the box i i like that yeah i hate how goaltender interference no one knows what it is no one has any idea what goaltender interference is and even when it gets called for like a goal like if a goal gets called back it's like okay so he gets a penalty right because goaltender interference is a penalty i hate that there's no real definition of charging no, like you, no. There's no, it's just like, yeah. If you run in, if you make physical contact with somebody and you have like excessive speed or you're too far, yeah. Like people say that, oh, his feet left the ice, so that's charging. That's not in the rule. Um, they say, oh, if you take more than three strides to hit the guy, that's charging. That's not in the rule either. It doesn't say three strides anywhere. It, the rule book is so subjective, and I hate it because NHL referees will take whatever way they can to get out of calling penalties. And if there isn't just a you know a checklist of things to go down, you know, for hooking, when we came out of the uh, two thousand four two thousand five lockout, with hooking, it was um, oh, is your stick parallel to the ice, and is it in the other guy's hands? Yeah, that's hooking. That's a penalty. Um, so I think that all of the penalties need to have that. There needs to be like subjective things that you can say, you can look at in a replay and say, oh, did, what, did he put his stick into the player's feet? Yes. Did the player step on the stick and fall? Yes. That's a trip. Did he take his stick parallel to the ice with both hands and push out in a forward motion into another player's body? Yes. That's a cross check. Like which... Cross-check is probably the least called penalty in the league. Yeah, and it happens all the time. Every, all the time. every battle every, in front of the net, there's a cross-check. Every check. single, yes, exactly. There's at least one. And then it's, yeah, it's that stupid thing of like, oh, it wasn't all that hard. Well, you know what? Fuck you. Like, it still knocked me over. That's, that's a penalty. Do something about it. A slash is only a slash when you break the guy's stick or his hand. No, get out of here. If, 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 if uh, yeah, if, a defender slashes a guy in the hands and the puck carrier loses possession, that's a penalty. Call it. Or in the case of Sidney Crosby, if you hack off the end of Mark Mathot's finger, but because you're Sidney Crosby, you don't get a penalty for it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There's, there's so much shit that just drives me nuts with playoff officiating. And it's, it's mostly the subjectivity of it because 
when when these uh, calls are subjective, then there's tons of excuses to get out of calling it. Just just tell them to fucking call the rules. That's all. <laughs> that's all. That's all I really want. And if we really want to get nuts about it, let's really, really define some of these rules. Because no, nobody, nobody agrees on what any of these calls are. You, like you could get five people to look at the same video replay and you're gonna get five different answers about what, what should have been called. So it's just the nature of this dumbass sport that we like. You know, you know and, how and, I- and you, you know what, no wonder people in the States don't like it. <laughs> if, yeah, like, uh, oh, what was it? It was uh, the other day with uh, Carolina in Boston, like Charlie McAvoy or somebody rips Jordan Stahl's helmet off his head and throws it down the ice directly in front of the referee no call that is in the rule book if you intentionally remove another player's helmet during play that's two minutes for roughing no call <laughs> i feel like we should have a part of the podcast specifically dedicated to your rant of the week oh yeah i mean what what was it last week um we were going on about oh shit what was it last week i can't even remember it just seems. Yeah, it just seems I have like no idea. It just seems like every show you have some sort of topic that you just need to just go off on for about four or five minutes. Yeah, I mean, that, like you said, it's kind of a testament to this dumbass sport that we love. But hey. Yeah. Well, you know what? It, it beats paying for therapy. So. You know what? That's fair. Zoom is free. <laughs> yeah. Zoom is free. All right. So we'll we'll move on. We'll we'll look into. Um, how the playoffs are going in between um, shitty non-calls here. <laughs> All right, so uh, want to start off in the East then? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Philly and Montreal. Holy shit, that game two blowout. Like, what the hell is going on with the Flyers? Did they? Did they? Like, did they sleep in and the the team just dressed a bunch of arena workers they found or something? I think Montreal's kind of playing with something to prove this year. It, it's and now that. Uh, Claude Julien is gone for the at least the first round of the playoffs. Like that's yeah, that's we a should whole mention new that motivating factor. Yeah, because he he had like a, a heart issue and then he had to go get a stent put in, and now he's back in Montreal, so he's not even in Toronto, let alone the bubble. Um, and that that's that's one of those unforeseeable motivating factors for a team, right? Like that's a a rallying issue for them, as much as like. I feel like we give those kinds of things a lot of weight um, because it seems like it's something that should have weight and be a motivating factor, but I don't, you know, there's not really a, it's more about cheering for a, a story as opposed to something that is actually realistic, right? This Montreal Canadiens team is probably going to be able to ride that wave of motivation for a couple games. But at a certain point, this Philadelphia Flyers team is going to crush them under their boot. Yeah. And as we record this, the Philly-Montreal game is just about to start. Game three is just about to start. I yeah, Well, so, so Carey Price my, my, is good again. Hello? Yeah, Carey Price is good again. Um, it seems that way. Uh, I, I predicted that Philly would sweep this series, so I can still be right about the winner, but I'm not going to be right about the number of games. Um, I still think that Philly's going to beat them. Um, they're they're just all around too good. They're too relentless. And like I said, this 
this Claude Julien thing, it's uh, it'll be a motivating factor for the Canadians for a couple games, but I don't think it's something that they're going to be able to keep up. Uh, there's only so long that you can be that you can punch above your weight class without getting knocked out, really. Well, you know what's going to be a motivating factor for Philadelphia? Getting blown out by Montreal. Yeah, and now they've also got um, uh, Oscar Lindholm. He he's back, so now they've got their own um, motivation. Their own motivation, yeah. With a you know their teammate, a that cancer survivor. Cancer. Yeah, like that's nuts. Yeah, that is like after we finish recording, I'm probably going to throw that game on. That that seems like it's that series is one of the more intriguing ones. And that's saying something because there are a lot of really interesting series, especially in the East. I'd say all four of them are good series to watch. Um, speaking of, is there anything else you want to add before we move on to Tampa and Columbus? No, I, I was going to move on to Tampa and Columbus. Um, so I was wrong. I called a Columbus sweep <laughs> just uh, for, for the lulls. And, yeah, I was wrong, and I will take that. But you know what? I'm not really convinced to say that Tampa's going to win the series yet. I, yeah, I, I, I just, close. Before we started recording, I was reading an article about um, Jonas Corposalo's play in the play-in and then the playoffs so far, and uh, just the the increase in performance that he's had in this time versus the regular season is insane. Uh, there was one thing, it seems like a lot of teams are really targeting his glove hand for some reason. And somehow since, uh, the difference between his regular season save percentage on his high glove hand and the playoffs, he's increased his save percentage by like 50%. What? Yeah. So he was putting in work during the shutdown. It kind of seems that way. He either put in a bunch of work to address like a weak glove hand and teams haven't caught on that he's gotten better there, or he's just having the goddamn like five weeks of his life. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, um, it it was it was really eye opening. The the article, um, oh, it was from uh, she used to write for the uh, the Athletic, but she she left or, um, yeah, she she doesn't work for them, and that happened this week, and she was the athletic beat reporter for uh, Columbus. So uh, I, it's Allison something, my apologies, but uh, it, it was a, it was a pretty cool article because it just kind of looked into some, uh, some underlying numbers and some advanced stats about uh, what is behind Corpus Allo's performance this off season. It didn't give like uh, uh, reasons for why that these numbers could be going up. It's just kind of like looking at uh, what his regular season performance is and uh, how it's changed into the playoffs. And a big, big portion of that is that he's stopping all of the shots up high. Yeah. When when you turn a weakness into a strength, it completely changes your game, right? Yeah. Particularly in sports because and professional sports, because these other teams are going to target something that they can identify as a weakness. And if he's just stopping all of those high shots now, then these like especially Tampa they've got to find a new place to shoot on him or they've got to find another way to score because uh, what they're doing isn't working even though they're up two games to one like it's it just seems like he's uh he's going to be really hard to beat that that two game to one lead is more so on a fact that Columbus can't score back right? yeah that's that's kind of how it is he's doing everything he can to get this team to win and it's 
they're it's, not helping him. No. Like when I was watching that uh, game one, obviously I, I, I didn't watch the whole game. I tuned in at the start of the fifth overtime. Uh, and when I was watching, keeping in mind that everybody on the ice was tired, like Columbus barely crossed the blue line, uh, barely crossed Tampa's blue line with possession of the puck. Like they, they'd get up to center ice. They'd maybe dump it in and try to retrieve it or something. And then they'd lose it and Tampa would come back. Um, so maybe that was all fatigue. Maybe that's just the difference in skill between the two teams. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm still feeling okay about my pick for Columbus to win the series, but it does seem like they're slowing down a lot and uh, they may not be able to um, overcome Tampa's scoring. Can we talk about how Andre Vasilevsky has an under 900 save percentage in the last two games of the series? Hmm. Well, it, that, that just comes with not facing a ton of shots, right? Fair. But if we had to decide who the better goalie was, like, is Yunus Corpusalo one of, if not the best goalie in the playoffs right now? He is absolutely the best goalie in the playoffs right now. I would not say um, well, absolutely, but he's definitely it, one of it's, them. It's between him and Kemper, right? That, that's the thing. Yes. But um, uh, you can throw a price in there. But between the play in round and the playoffs, Corpus Allo is the best goalie. Fair. I'll agree with you on that one. Yeah. But unfortunately, goalies can't score goals. And neither yeah, can the Columbus right. Blue Jackets. So I'm, I still think Columbus has a chance to win. Their defense, like, because defense isn't just your top, your sixth defenseman, right? Defense is a team thing. And their team defense is one of the better ones in these playoffs. And as a lot of people and a lot of good hockey men have said, defense wins championships. So I, I can't count them, count them out yet. If they win again uh, tomorrow, if they win game four tomorrow, I think that I think if Tampa wins tomorrow, they win the series. I can't see Columbus beating Tampa three times in a row to come back. Yeah, that, that would be that would be nearly impossible, I think. Um, but speaking for, of teams for a low speaking, scoring team like that, yeah. Speaking of teams that can't score, though, uh, what's going on with the Capitals? Well, they're a team that should be able to score, right? Actually, you know, they, what? You know what? No, you know what's wrong with the Capitals? You know what's wrong with the Washington Capitals? What's that? They're against Barry Trotz. Yeah, they're facing Barry Trotz. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, you're going all, all robotic there, Key, because I'm trying to close windows here to see if I can help out with our internet connection. But, uh, um, yeah. You... Uh, I think my phone is downloading something as well, so I'm going to stop <laughs> that. Um, yeah, yeah I'm trying to download a podcast. Um. So yeah, Barry Trotz was kind of the factor that I brought in uh, when we were talking about our predictions for the first round of the actual playoffs, and uh, it seems like that was a a pretty uh, pretty smart thing to do on my part because yeah, the Capitals have scored two goals, two goals, and one goal in this series so far. So they're they've been held to five goals in three games, and the Islanders have eleven. So the the Capitals have been outscored you know, <sighs> two and a bit to one every game. And Keegan's gone. Sorry about that, everybody. We had some technical issues there. But uh, hopefully we're back again. Um, we were talking about the uh, the Islanders and the Capitals. The Islanders have outscored the Capitals 11-5 to in three games so far this series. And, uh, you know, as we were saying, um, Barry Trotz 
seems to uh, have the Capitals number here. What do you think, Geeks? Well, everyone was saying like, oh, Barry Trotz has, like, like you were just said, Barry Trotz knows the Caps. He knows the guys. He can outcoach them. Like he knows this, he knows that. And it's like, the Caps should know Trot's system. So if anyone could figure out how to get through it, it should be them, right? Like that was my mindset. And that's why I thought the Caps would be able to break through it. When you play under a system, you think he would figure out its holes. But uh, apparently Barry Trotz is just this coach in the league and can say, you know what? No, fuck you. My system's so good. It doesn't matter. And it kind of seems yeah. like that's what he's been doing. Although. Yeah, and it seems like the Capitals are going to come out of this playoffs with uh, no wins. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 it's going to be really tough for them to like. For starters, they're not coming back in this series. They're done. It's just a matter of uh, how long they make us wait. Well, I remember you saying something similar in Game Four between Toronto and Columbus. <laughs> Jordan, there's still time. Yeah, like who? Yeah, well, we can't forget I, that, right? The, if if the games were closer than they had been, I'd say yeah. There's been one overtime game, and uh, Matthew Barzell made the Capitals look like a bunch of peewee players. So, um, I mean that's fair. Uh, that's a valid, valid point. Goal, I, yeah, and then the other games were four uh, two and five two. I don't think this this series is going to last a whole lot longer. If the Capitals are lucky, they win the next game, but uh, I'm starting to think it's going to be a sweep. When do they play again? They play. Do they play tonight or tomorrow? They do not play tonight. They play tomorrow. They already played today. Yeah, they already played today. That was the overtime game today. So they play on Tuesday, August eighteenth. Yeah. You know what? You could be right. You could be right. Yeah. My prediction of a um, six-game <clears throat> Washington win is looking pretty. Uh, pretty bad right now look that looks like it was the hot take of the podcast and here i thought yours was <laughs> hey don't worry the uh, the audience also picked the capitals in this series so you're not the only uh you know unsmart one here yeah apparently i should just go with you on everything it would make for very bored podcasting but at least i'd be right hey you know what i i'm not gonna uh, gonna lie here this is probably the best that my first round bracket has ever looked. So uh, touch wood here that uh, my picks keep doing pretty well. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Boston and Carolina. Um, oh. Ask. Yeah, that, um, oh. that took everybody by surprise yesterday afternoon. I couldn't believe that when I saw it, especially because the announcement came like an hour before their game yesterday. But uh, it didn't seem to slow down the... Um, the Bruins at all, because they, they ended up winning that game with Yaroslav Halak in net. What, what did you think about Rask's decision to uh, leave the bubble and go home to his family? I understand it, because from what I heard, uh, his third child was just born. So I, oh, yeah. it, I don't know if it was uh, by design or not, but let, let's say it was him and his wife were trying to figure out a way that they could have their child in the offseason. Um, by, by the sounds of it, a lot of NHL players do that. Which makes sense, right? It it does, yeah. Like, I'm not a parent, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens with a kid in that first few months after they're born, and especially with Tuka Rask, because he's got, like, two other young kids at home, and that, that's a lot to put on... Just his wife. Just his wife and, like, whatever friends and family they can get to come over. But, like, those, those people aren't going to be staying there full-time in all likelihood. It's just going to be helping out every so often, and 
that's a lot to put on somebody and it's it's just not fair to her and um yeah it, it was obviously the right call for him to go home if that's where he felt that he needed to be it's it's insane to me that there are these dumbass people out there that are saying that uh, oh yeah he committed to being with the team and he should stick it through and like yeah whatever the like I, I saw Brandon Press tweet out like yeah this kid's not gonna know who Tuka Rask is for six months so why does it matter if he's there or not and it's like oh, screw you yourself, Brandon Prust. yeah like there are so many things that you miss out on especially if the Bruins go deep into the playoffs. Tuka Rask could be in Toronto until October. There's a lot of stuff that can happen with a newborn between now and October. Um, well, it's, it's like again, you said, I, there are more important things than hockey right now. Yeah, and, you know, he's Tuka Rask is going to be a father a lot longer than he's going to be a Boston Bruin or a professional athlete. So he, he's got to make that stuff count. Um, whereas, you know, he's been to a couple cup finals before he he can try that again next year he's not going to have his newborn kid at home that he gets to like um to experience for the first time uh for a few like you know that's a pretty formative time in a child's life and if if you're missing somebody and it's not even just his newborn kid it's the other kids too if they're all pretty young and to be like three, four months without one of their parents, that's a long, long, long time. Um, like I, just me, I remember when I, I was probably like five or six or something and our dad used to go on a lot of um, like week or two week trips to um, like Asia and stuff for work. And I remember telling our mom one time like, hey, yeah, how long has dad been gone for? Like five days? Uh, it's kind of hard to remember what he looks like. Can, can you imagine? hearing that from your kid like oh your child forgets what you look like yeah that that would be soul crushing for like every parent on earth right yeah and and that was for like a a, a week or a two week long trip can you imagine four months sure there are there are things that can help you connect with people over a long distance but it's not the same thing as being there no and and again he said it Tugaras said it himself perfectly and I, I just said it, and I'll repeat it because it's, it's the truth. There are more important things in hockey right now. In his yeah, life, exactly. like, like as much as we say these guys need to be dedicated, these guys need to be this, need to be that, hockey is their job. If, yes. So, yeah, so many people are talking about like, oh, he left his teammates in the trenches. It's like, no, he didn't. He left his teammates in a five-star hotel in Toronto. They'll be fine. Would you right now – Anyone listening to this, if your child was just being born, would you take time off for that? I know my yeah. answer. Exactly. Yeah. Would you, yeah. Would you um, take your parental leave at work and say like, hey, I've got to spend some time with my newborn kid. Because, you know, I just helped create a child and I want to make sure yeah, that and, they know and, who I am. Yeah. For all those people that are criticizing Tuka Rask, like, hey, how about you come work for me when your next kid is born? And I can tell you, hey, you made a commitment to uh, coming in and working this shitty desk job every day. So no, you can't spend the next uh, three or four months with uh, your child, with your newborn child. Yeah. You've got to stay here and uh, you know, miss, miss out on all of these important life moments. Yeah. Sorry. Get fucked. That's just the, yeah, you've got to uh, be here in the trenches with your coworkers. No, screw all that. No, took a rasp. He made the right choice. He, all the power to him. Good on him to, have the maturity to make that decision yeah 
Well, you know what? Speaking of um, the Boston Bruins and shitty people, um, Zdeno Chara injured uh, Andrei Svechnikov. Is Chara the biggest asshole that's going to be a future Hall of Famer? Uh, honestly, like I w- watching the video, I think it's a case of Zdeno Chara being six foot nine and stronger than anybody else in the league. Man, did you see that video of Jack Chara? Uh, like he he is a real life monster. Yes. There's him and then the mountain from Game of Thrones. However you pronounce his real human name. And you know what? My bet's um, Chara on a fight because he knows how to wrestle. The mountain's and just he's, big. He's got a little, yeah, he's got a bit more flexibility and speed probably. The mountain is a literal human mountain. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, I don't think Zidane Chara is a shitty person. It, it just, it sucks that that's how that turned out. Yeah. And it was one of those things where, you know, it was a net front battle there's probably a few penalties that could have been called in, in that uh, battle going back to our, my rant from earlier, but um, it, it, it just really sucks that the, the hurricanes lose um, their best player. And uh, my favorite player uh, checks notes, Andrei Svechnikov. <laughs> <sighs> like that's a um, huge blow to Carolina. Svechnikov yeah. was their leading goal scorer, I think. Yeah. Their, their their leading point, Aho's their leading point getter, but Svechnikov, the cops are leading goal scorer, and but that that's their dynamic duo on offense, yes. right? The, the two of those guys just feed each other, and it's it's magic. Um, so I Carolina's loss of Svechnikov is a lot more significant than Boston's loss of Tuka Rask. Well, because Boston well, basically has be- another Tuka Rask. They they do. Um, the last few seasons, Yaroslav Halak's numbers have been better than Rask. Yeah, and significantly less games. Not significantly. They've. They've split the seasons pretty evenly. Oh, it's Halak back to 2010 Halak? It just, it seems like he, he's just, um, he's just a good goalie is basically. Yeah, that's fair. I I would have thought that the Rask leaving would be a bit more of a blow because Sveshnikov doesn't take every single Carolina shot, but Rask faces every single Carolina shot. Yeah, that's true. But um, Sveshnikov's got a lot more dynamic offense coming from him right and Tukarask also lets in the occasional stinker true because he's a goalie and goalies do that because it's just a thing uh, that happens yeah like yes Tukarask plays 60 minutes of every game but um the the decrease in talent between Tukarask and Yaroslav Halak is, is not major is minimal versus Andrei Svechnikov and then whoever's going to come in and replace him on the top line that's fair. Between Andre Svechnikov and Ryan Dezingle. Yeah, and not not even mentioning that um, Svechnikov might be out for the playoffs. Yeah, I saw that. Is what uh, Brindamore said today. And yeah, when I saw the fall, like he, he probably broke something in his ankle or like ripped some tendons or something like that. That could be a career altering injury too. Not not just for this playoff round or this playoffs. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. I don't even recommend going to see it because the way his ankle and leg twists and crunches is yeah, alarming. It, 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 it's really unsettling to watch. And it's not one of those videos where he's like screaming and writhing in pain on the ice, but you can tell immediately before he even hits the ice, you're like, that's going to hurt a lot. And yeah. I'd never want to experience it myself. Yeah. And he's not a small guy either. Like he's yeah. probably he's probably around like six two or six three and over two hundred pounds. And he's a big yeah. meaty Russian. 
and having that come down on an angle awkwardly as it did no like you said i i don't want to experience that i can only imagine what that felt like i just i hope it doesn't affect his career like he should not try to force himself back. We've seen it done before where players force themselves back through an injury because they're in the playoffs. Don't. Just straight don't. Take yeah. the time. Yeah. It, it, Eric Carlson is uh, – yeah, Eric Carlson is frantically jumping up and down on one foot in the background of this conversation, waving his arms in the air. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but, uh, yeah, with, with um, these new developments, what do you think of um, – the Hurricanes, our favorite team. Uh, what do you think of their odds against the uh, Bruins for the remainder of the series? They're currently down two-one in the series. Canes take it in seven. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think um, it just got a lot harder for the Hurricanes to win this series. But um, it would be a real shame if they got eliminated right when we started following them. Yeah, because then who do we follow? Montreal. Oh. We- we hate follow the Bruins because fuck those guys for, you know, <laughs> killing, killing the Leafs two years in a row. And then the hurricanes, right. When we start, uh, or not when we start liking them, when we start telling everyone we like them. Yes. We've always, we've always them. loved them. Yeah. Always. We've always been huge fans of them. Always. We love Eric Stahl. We love Justin Williams and we love Rod Brindamore before he was the coach. Yeah, I also but, have the Carolina Hurricanes roster pulled up in front of me, and I knew all of those names too, Keeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm just. But, but I, um, I feel so bad for the Hurricanes, but here how here's how I see the rest of the series going: Canes take Game Four, Boston takes five, Canes takes six and seven. Oh, so you you think um, the Hurricanes are going to? Bruins the Bruins, eh? Exactly. So that's that's basically what happened to the Leafs a couple times. Well, last year it was um Leafs were up 3-2 heading into game 6 and then Toronto won 6 and or Boston won 6 and 7. So yeah. Yeah. I'm expecting Carolina to do to to uh, that. Sorry. To do I'm to expect- Boston what Boston did to Toronto. Thank you. That was a lot of yeah. teas. And if the Bruins win, get ready Bruins fans cuz uh, we're going to yeah, we're going to um, cheer for your team out of spite, and then they're going to lose miserably in the third, in the second round here. Or because hockey hates us, they're just going to win. Yeah, yeah. There's all there's that possibility too. But um, all right, Vegas and Chicago. Uh, what yeah. is one thing you have to say about this series? Um, I'm excited to watch the next and last game of it. Like uh, uh, Vegas, they is are currently. Oh yeah, they're currently playing. Are they not? They are currently playing, and every time I go to check in on it, it's on commercial. So I'll let you know in a minute how that game's going. Uh, I have um, a post. Uh, Chicago's up to one at the end of the second. Oh, okay. Well, Vegas. Has, you know what? Vegas I'll, I'll, I'll still say the series shots. ends tonight. Yeah, Vegas. The series is going to end tonight. Six shots. Yeah. Yeah. Who's who's playing in the for Chicago right now? Let me just see. Is it it's, Crawford? Who? It yeah, is. Crawford's in net for Chicago. They if they played their backup, they would have they would not be two to one. Yeah. Uh Corey Crawford the, the, has led in one goal on thirty-six shots so far, and Robin Leonard has led in periods. two goals on fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Chicago scored their first goal uh, before we started recording. Um and I missed it, so I can't even tell you what it looked like. But uh, I imagine it was 
Well, it's by yeah, Kubula. It was Kubal- Kubalik. Drake, no, Drake. Uh, oh, Drake Kajula. Kajula. Okay, yeah, yeah. Kajula. Yeah. Yeah. And All right. um, um, uh, yeah, I say that that series ends tonight. Um, There's a say about this one, right? Like Chicago's just delaying the inevitable. Yeah, if Chicago wins tonight, they're they're not coming back in this series. If they win tonight, they're not winning another game. Uh, this series is it, it's done. Yes, I so could not agree with you more. This is Vegas's okay. series. They are going to win it, and it's either going to be tonight or Tuesday. Yeah, and that's all right. Uh, all there is to say on that one. Yeah, um, Colorado, Arizona. Uh, I said this at the beginning of the show, I think, or we said it before. I can't remember. I've been saying it since the play-ins. Darcy Kemper's the best goalie right now. Like the only reason why Arizona is anywhere near the playoffs, let alone actually in the first round, is because Darcy Kemper is a brick wall. Just to give you guys an idea of how out of his mind he's playing right now. Um, let me review his save percentages since playing around against Nashville. He was a 930, 857 isn't great, but they followed that up with 975, 942. And then against Colorado, he was a 925, and then he was an 893 in game two, which isn't great. But he followed that up with a 961. He led in two goals on 51 shots. Darcy Camper is the only reason why Arizona is where they are. And Darcy Kemper is the reason why Arizona will, will, will win one more game. But Nathan McKinnon. And he's, are you still there, Keeks? No, he's gone. All right. And we're back again. Holy shit. We are having some outrageous internet issues. And uh, surprisingly, it hasn't been me yet. So that's, uh, that's actually kind of nice. Um, Keeks, before you. Um, is that surprising, though? Um, well, for me, it is after the weekend that our uh, internet has had, it is kind of shocking that I have not had to unplug our modem yet. It's not surprising that your internet is garbage because that's just uh, your daily existence out uh, in the boonies where you are. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, so we're- yeah you, uh, you went all robot voice again and you, uh, disconnected right when you were talking about uh, Darcy Kemper making saves. So- Basically, what I was just saying, I um, I didn't realize that it disconnected, and I went through all of his games, just basically saying, uh, when he wins, he's a nine twenty five plus in save percentage. When he loses, he's a below nine hundred goalie. Oh yeah, okay. Which which is kind of interesting to see. Uh, we said it last show that Darcy Camper kind of has Cujo vibes, and that he needs a lot of shots to get engaged and to stay on his feet and to stay really good. Um, but. I believe Darcy Kemper is the best goalie currently in these in the in the playoffs. Uh, but because of that, I believe Arizona will win one more game of this series. But I don't think they'll overtake Colorado. After Colorado scoring those three goals in one minute and 23 seconds in game one, that basically just said to me, okay, it doesn't matter how good you are, that team cannot stop the onslaught that is the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, and uh, if you've seen some of Nathan McKinnon's highlights in this series, um, I think it was game two 
yeah, it was game two. It was either Thursday or Friday. And uh, just the, the goal that he scored in the, the first goal of the game, I believe it was just nuts. Um, I think it was he intercepted a pass in the neutral zone and he was able to get behind all of the um, Coyotes players between the Coyotes blue line and the top of the circles in the Coyotes zone. And there was like three guys there. He just blew past all of them in like a wide half circle and fired a wicked wrist shot off the post and in glove side on Kemper. It was, it was beautiful. And then there's a, a wicked highlight I keep seeing of him um, deking through like three Coyotes players one-handed at one point. Um, he's, like we've said a hundred times, he's just on another level. He is the best individual player in the playoffs right now. Um, He's probably the second best player in the league behind McDavid. Um, And the Coyotes, you know, Darcy Kemper is, he he may be the best goalie in the playoffs right now. Uh, He's kind of giving me some Homer Simpson vibes with his, when Homer was boxing. Um, There's only so many, so many shots that Kemper can face before he's going to get knocked out here. Um, the Avalanche are not going to get tired from firing shots at the Coyotes. They can't just wait for the the Avalanche to get wiped out from all of their offensive play and then go down and score. It's not going to happen. Um, Darcy Kemper might... <laughs> we could see him die on the ice out there when he faces 200 shots in a 60-minute <laughs> game. Yeah. Uh, he's so good. Like He is being... I don't want to say he's being wasted, but might be a little too harsh, but he would be so much more effective if he was on a better team. Yeah, it's it's like if you take Darcy uh, Kemper and put him on Toronto, Toronto wins the series. Yeah, as long as he's playing this way. And I can guarantee you if we if the Leafs go out and get Darcy Kemper this offseason, he will never play this way ever again. (laughs) Yeah, really. Yeah, that's just the again the nature of being a Leafs fan. Um yeah, I, I feel like there's more to say on the Avalanche, our second favorite team. Um, but well, what is there to say other than they're good and they'll probably make the conference finals? Yeah, and also, holy shit, McKinnon. Like, that guy's nuts. Well, yeah, but he's finally getting the league-wide recognition that he deserves. Like we said, he's the second best player in the league. Yeah, the best player I don't think in the there's, playoffs. Yeah, I don't think there's any denying that anymore. Nathan yeah. McKinnon is the second best player in the NHL right now, only behind generational star Connor McDavid. All right. Um, Dallas Stars and Calgary Flames. This game wrapped up uh, not too long before we started recording. Um, Dallas won today, so they tied up the series. Uh, what do you think about this Western Conference slap fight that's going on? Um. Can I honestly say, I don't give a flying crap what happens in the series. Oh, yeah. No, I don't either. I called uh, Calgary to win it. And, uh, yeah, if both teams just suddenly went home, I probably wouldn't notice. Um, But saying that, like, Dallas today in their game, they looked like the better team. Um, So I'm feeling a little bit less secure about my pick of Calgary in this series. That was just kind of based off of Dallas uh, struggling through the um, the seeding round stuff and also their struggles um, before the pause as well because they, they weren't doing great. And I didn't even realize that Ben Bishop isn't even dressing for them right now. I guess he's injured or something. 
Wait, what? So Hudobin's in that? Yeah, Hudobin's played all of their games against Calgary so far, and then they had some guy on the bench who I don't think was Ben Bishop because he wasn't like eight feet tall. <laughs> huh. I had no idea. I've been paying such little attention to the Dallas Stars, let alone that series, that I just I don't know what's going on. I check to see how the games are going, and that's it. Yeah. Um, it, it was two- it, it was very cool because Dallas did come from behind today. They uh, they scored a goal in the final minute of the game to tie it up, but it was called back for goalie interference because surprise surprise Corey Perry did something shitty, um, and oh, then wow. Dallas came back not long after that and scored with 11 seconds left. That was Joe Pavelski scored the game tying goal and got his first career playoff hat trick, um, and then it, they uh, went and won in overtime. So that, that was pretty cool to see. And Dallas looked like the much better team in that series. So like I said, my, my pick of the flames is uh, kind of on some shaky ground here. Yeah, honestly, again, I don't care about this series. I don't think either of these teams are going anywhere after this, after the second round. Cause yeah. who do they run into? You said it, 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 it all depends on who's who wins. Right. Um, Okay, do they do either of these teams beat Colorado? No. Do either of these teams beat Vegas? Oh no, definitely not. No. Yeah. Do so either they're... of these teams beat St. Louis or Vancouver? Maybe. Uh, yeah, the way St. Louis is playing, I think a lot of teams could beat them right now. Okay, but you got to give credit to Vancouver. Vancouver is playing very well. Sure. Yeah, I'll give credit to a team that I have watched zero minutes of in these playoffs. The, like this St. Louis Vancouver game. Uh, this is the one where like their games have been during times where I can't watch. I'm either in bed or I was at the cottage yesterday. And uh, so I haven't seen any of the series apart from highlights. Bo Horvat looks like he's playing wicked. And uh, Jordan, oh, Binnington, yeah. Jordan Binnington looks like he's got more holes in him than Swiss cheese. So uh, it, it kind of seems like it may be a short series and Vancouver could be moving on pretty quickly here. It looks like your little faith in Binnington is, was the right call. <laughs> Like he does not look like the goalie that won the cup last year. Well, the goalie that won the cup last year was fine. He was all right. And like, yeah, he's not an all-star. People were talking about him like he he was uh, like he put up nine thirty numbers in the uh, the playoffs last year. I think he was like a nine ten or something. He was a nine twelve, I think. Uh, but yeah, you probably have to look that up. Yeah, I'm just pulling up his numbers here, but. Uh... Let's see. Where are his playoffs? He was a 9-14, which, like I said, fine. League average. Yeah, that's around league average. Fine. Um, this season, he or sorry, last season, uh, this season he was a 9-12. So a little bit less than fine. Yeah, and it just – it does – seem like uh, Vancouver just has the high level shooters that are making him look like he's uh, he doesn't belong in this league now. <laughs> uh, so Bennington is the next Matt Murray, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Winning the cup. It just sewers your career. If you do it right away. Yeah. And all, look all, at Cam Ward. all of this, like it, I, I had very little faith in Jordan Bennington and I had less faith in Vancouver, but uh this is the one series where things are going like very differently than I expected. 
Yeah, uh, I will agree. I thought St. Louis was going to come and manhandle Vancouver. It's very much not the case. And I want to say Bo Horvat might be my favorite Vancouver player because if you watch that, his first goal in game two, I guess it was, oh, man, he made every St. Louis player on the ice look like a pylon. Yeah, I think he's done that for, like, all of his goals in this series. Well, I was talking to Damien, our brother-in-law, who's a huge Vancouver fan, and he was saying, like, yeah, Bo just does that every playoffs. Like, in every level he's been in, he's just one of those guys that elevates his game when he gets to the postseason, Hmm. which those are the guys that get you deep, right? That's right. So, good on Vancouver. I think that they will take – I think they'll take the series over St. Louis probably in five or six with the way things are going. And in the sense of like, oh, what's wrong with St. Louis? Um, they are just, they're just not clicking. It happens. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's tough that they're the defending cup champs and they're playing that way. But um, it does seem like, you know, their substandard play in the seeding round is kind of carrying over here, and they're just they're they don't look ready. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. They just they're not, they just don't look engaged they don't look they don't look like they care yeah which is what has sued a lot of these high ranked teams right? right look at pittsburgh look at actually pittsburgh's really the only one i can say confidently but it's just get your head in the game or you're just gonna you're not gonna be in the game anymore and that's looking like what's happening with st louis right now just means these next uh, this next round of series, so round two, is going to be wild because it's going to be everyone on these massive heaters just clashing with each other. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts on the playoffs so far? Uh, it's going to be Philly and Vegas in the finals. Uh, I'm still sticking with our boys, uh, Carolina and Colorado. I... Um, I think those two teams will make the conference finals. I do not think they go all the way. Vegas, I think, stops Colorado. And I think if anyone's going to stop Carolina, if Boston doesn't do it, it's going to be Philly. Yeah. Well, especially, especially if Sveshnikov is going to be gone for the entire thing. Well, shout out to all of our um, fellow Hurricanes fans that are listening. I know we've gotten a bunch of Twitter follows and uh, Instagram follows from Hurricanes fans. So, that's wicked. Welcome to the pod and uh, congrats on your Stanley Cup on our collective Stanley Cup final appearance here. It's going to be a tough road without Svech, <laughs> but uh, we're going to do it and we're going to face uh, the pod's second favorite team, the Colorado Avalanche and the second best player on the planet, Nathan McKinnon. Um, so speaking of our two favorite teams, we have a new iteration of the double agent game here. With the rebrand of the podcast comes a rebrand of the double agent game. Um, For those of you that are new or haven't heard this before, the double agent game is a, um, it's inspired or lifted from the Puck Soup podcast, which took inspiration from uh, Doug Loves Movies, the Leonard Maltin game on that podcast, if you're familiar with it. I've got a list in front of me of 11 players that have played for both the Colorado Avalanche, um, 
organization and the Carolina Hurricanes organization. So some of these guys may have played for the Nordiques or the Whalers, but they have played for at least one of the actual Avalanche and Hurricanes. I got rid of all of the old guys that played in like the WHA or retired before 1997. Uh, and then I took off a bunch of other guys that I'd never heard of, because if I haven't heard of them, Keegan wouldn't have, because he's seven years younger than me. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I am not going to do well at this. You, anyone thinking that I'm... You, you will... <laughs> uh, I yeah. would be shocked if you could guess any of these players. Um, that said, when I tell you them afterwards, you're going to feel stupid. Um, so that that's kind of the list that we're going off of here. And um, the rules for it are, I've got 13 clues here for each of these players. I'm going to give Keegan the same three to start off. And then uh, he has to um, guess, or he has to bet how many extra clues it takes him before he can guess this player correctly. The first three clues he gets are their, the player's current age, the number of games they played in their NHL career, and the most recent team they played for. After that, it's their, their amateur team, their height and weight, draft position, draft team, the years they played in the NHL, their total combined points between Colorado and Carolina, their nationality, my opinion of their best season, the jersey number that they wore for either Carolina or Colorado, and then finally, every NHL team they ever played for. So, Keegan, are you ready for our new and improved version of the double agent game? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So, I need you to – I've done our random number generator for our 11 players, and I've got three choices for you. Would you like A, B, or C? Let's take A. That's a good choice. That's the only one I think you can get out of these three. Sweet. <laughs> So this is player number four on my list. He is currently 43 years old. He played 597 NHL games and was mo most recently played for the Colorado Avalanche. How many? So he's 43? 43, 597 games, and he played most recently for the Avalanche. How many clues do you think it's going to take you? Um, give me, let's start off with eight. Eight. Okay. So that's going to take you yes. to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight to their best season in my opinion. Yep. Let's do it. All right. So here we go. His amateur team, the Halifax Mooseheads of the QMJHL. So he's a Moosehead. You said he was 43, right? 43. Okay, good to know. Okay, sounds good. Next clue, please. Height and weight. Six foot one, 202 pounds. He's a hockey player. Oh, fucking fantastic. All right. Um, I, next clue, I guess. Draft position, first round, 13th overall. 13th? Ooh, so he's a high pick. And he played less than 500 games? Less, or less than 600, 600 games? games, yeah. Okay. Uh, next clue. Whose heads in 13th overall? His draft team. Oh, fuck. His you draft. There? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, sorry. I did a dumb thing and closed my laptop and I got really scared there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, his draft team is the Hartford Whalers. 
So he was drafted by the Whalers first overall or first, first round, first round 13th, 13th overall out from Halifax. Cool. I wish I knew prospects from the probably 80s. All right. Uh, keep going. Uh, the years that he played in the NHL, 1996 to 2014. So 2014, he was a Colorado Avalanche. Um, That's uh, 18 years. Oh, so he's a goalie. Because you said he played how many games? Just over... 597. Yeah, just under 600. 18 years, under 600 games. And yeah, he's a goalie. Okay, so a goalie drafted by Hartford who played for Colorado. The only ones I can think of from around there, it wouldn't be like... No, it wasn't Abisher. Um, it wasn't Elliott's because Brian Elliott's is still in the league. Because I know 2014 was around the time that uh, the Anderson for Elliott trade happened between Colorado and Ottawa. Give me the next clue. Uh, combined points with Carolina and Colorado. Uh, zero. Maybe like eight. Oh, zero. yeah, because he's a fucking goalie. He's 100% a goalie. He's 100% a goalie. Okay. Frig, what goalie played for Colorado in 2014? That's all I need to know is what goalie played for Toronto or Toronto, Colorado in 2014. Crap. Uh, okay, give me the next one. It's going to be like something stupid. <laughs> Nationality Canadian. Oh, uh, yeah. fuck off. Next one. <laughs> Best season, in my opinion, uh, 2002-2003. I even said, I said 2003. I knew it. I freaking knew it. Oh. <laughs> like the, I, I can guarantee you right now there are some, some people listening that are probably screaming the correct answer into their headphones, their phone, or their stereo or something. Is it obvious? It will be after I give you the answer. Uh, frig off. Like, oh yeah, you're gonna lose your shit when I tell you who it is. It'll be like Martin Gerber or something. I know it. Um, no, uh, Martin Gerber is not on this list. Okay, good, because he's on our other one, <laughs> and he played for Carolina. <sighs> who played for? <laughs> Because 2014, I don't even think Brian Elliott was still on Colorado at that time. I'm pretty sure by then he was on St. Louis. So who the hell? He obviously was good. Because if he played for 18 years, you're not going to be play for 18 years as a goalie unless you're just a very good backup or something. Give me another clue. All right, so you're admitting defeat on this one is what uh, you're telling me. Uh, I am blanking. I have no idea. Oh, you're going to be so mad. Um, All right. Do you want his Carolina jersey number or his Colorado jersey number? Colorado. Yeah, that's a good choice. Um, His Colorado jersey number was 35. 35? Yeah. Like, that's... It's just goalie number. That doesn't help. 
all the goalies are in their 30s. Like all their numbers are in their 30s or they're in the 40s, unless sure, you're Robin Leonard. Yeah, not a not a ton of goalies are number 35, though. What do you mean not a ton of goalies are 35? What the hell? No. Like I actually I can't really think of too many that are 35 now that I think of now that I think about it. This guy um, is one of the more prominent 35s. How can you be one of the more prominent 35s? Um, uh, I, I friggin... I, I think you'll get it on the next oh. clue. If you don't get yeah, it Yeah, give, give me one more. No, I have an idea. Okay, tell me what your idea is. Because the only 35 I can think of, and I know, I know he played for Colorado, but I didn't think he played for Carolina because I remember him as a duck, and that's Jaguar. So give, uh, that's who I'm thinking, but give me the next clue. You want the next clue? Yeah, because I'm not confident with Jaguar, but I, I'm pretty sure he played for Colorado after he played for the Leafs. But I, I don't remember him playing for Hartford or Carolina because I, I only remember him playing for the Ducks, the Leafs, and Colorado. So, yeah, all right. Give me one more. Okay. Um, all of the teams he played for in his career. Uh, Hartford, Calgary, Anaheim, Toronto, Colorado. Fuck, is it Shiger? Yeah, it's Shiger. Yeah. <laughs> when did he play for Hartford? He, he, I thought the Ducks were his first team. No, he was drafted by Hartford, and he played in Calgary before the Ducks. I thought his playoff run with the Ducks with his, was his rookie season. No, no. He, he played before that. He played in Calgary for a little bit, and then he was traded or he was acquired by the Ducks. And um, the 2002-2003 season, uh, he was unreal. I was looking at it like he won the Conn Smythe Trophy and his team didn't win the Cup. But even his regular season numbers were pretty, pretty nuts. Um, that was the Babcock Ducks, wasn't it? That it um, yes, it was the Babcock Ducks. Let's see. So, uh, yeah, he played eight games for the Hartford Whalers. He never played for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, he played 22 games for the Calgary Flames in 98-99 and 99-2000. And then he was with Anaheim after that. Um, 2002, okay. and then 2000. he was with... Yeah, 02-03. Yeah, he was with... Let's see. I'm on the. I've got to go to hockey reference here. They had way better uh, stats. Yeah, I'm on it right now. Um, because yeah. yeah, he was 02, with An- he was with Anaheim until um. Uh, from 2000 2001 until uh 2009 2010, and then he went to the Leafs for two years, and then he finished off in Colorado for three years. Yeah, so it looks um, like he was the backup goalie. So here on ho- hockey reference. 2002-2003, he won 32 games, 22 losses, six ties, and 920 9 save percentage. No, he, he won 34 games. Um, yeah, 920 save percentage, eight shutouts. His goal saved above average was almost 21, which is easily the best in his career. But like a lot of a lot of his seasons in Anaheim, he was in double digits for goals saved above average, which is uh, pretty friggin' good. And even, well, yeah, in 06, 07, he was at 19, and 07, yeah. 08, he was at 19.99. Yeah, but uh, he got 
votes for the all-star team in 0203. He uh, got votes for the Hart Trophy and won the Conn Smythe, and he, he got votes for the Vesna Trophy as well. Um, he finished ninth in Vesna voting. Or was that he got nine votes? No, he yeah. finished ninth. Yeah, ninth. How do you finish ninth with that with those kind of stats? Yeah. Who else? Who won the Vezina in 02 or 03? That's what I'm curious about. Oh, it was probably Broder. Oh, no, shit. Uh, <laughs> was, that, was that Huey? No. Oh, Huey no. never won. This, uh, I think, either 01, 02, or 02, 03 was the year that uh, Jose Theodore won. Uh, Theodore, that's the guy I'm yeah. thinking of. Uh, 2003, Broder won it. Yeah, Broder won it in 03. Yeah, so it was uh, Jiguer won the Smythe Trophy for losing in the finals to Broder, who won the Vesna. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. Not, not, not too bad of a showing on the first round of uh, what I thought was going to be a more difficult version of the uh, double agent game, and it kind of turned out to be it. Um, oh, it was difficult. Like, I didn't get it to the last clue. Yeah, and uh, like I said, there were there are going to be people who are screaming and yelling at uh, that my best season suggestion because once you figured out it was a goalie, and when I said that it was two thousand two, two thousand three, like there's got to be a ton of people that had that were shutting out to GSG care there. Um, but yeah, well, we're, I knew uh, he played for Colorado, but I had no idea he played for Hartford. Again, yeah. I I was mistakenly thinking that his uh, first year in Anaheim was his rookie season, which. It was his first year of being a starter, so I'm not entirely wrong. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of other guys on this list that have played for the Whalers. Oh, boy, so this is going to be fun. All right, well, that was, that was a good way to end things. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, do you have anything you, uh, you've been watching other than uh, not hockey because you've been working? But, um, yeah. I, um, I've been uh, – there's a series. Uh, it's a Netflix anime that I watch. Uh, I – like new season just came out to Netflix, but it's been out for like half a year right now. Seven deadly sins. Cool little show. Uh, real cringy. If you don't watch anime though, cause it falls into a lot of tropes that make people not want to watch it, which I can totally understand. Uh, but something I've been watching, something I like, if you want to get into it, go for it. If you don't, I honestly completely understand. Um, and yeah, for me, I, uh, I got talked into downloading fall guys on, uh, the PlayStation Network. It's the, one of the free games of the month this month, and it is amazing. It is a ton of fun. So if you've got a PlayStation, uh, I suggest getting it. It's like, um, you know, the uh, the game show Wipeout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's kind of like that, where you've got to like jump across like spinning things, and it's it's kind of like kind of like a, a game show type thing where there's a bunch of races or different things you have to do and uh, people get eliminated after each round and then the last person standing wins. So it's kind of, kind of a mix of uh, Wipeout and um, Fortnite, which is uh, pretty, pretty fun. And it, it's, is that, it's a really easy called? game. Fall Guys? Up. Yeah. Fall Guys. It's, it's a ton of fun. It's online only, which kind of sucks, but uh, still a ton of fun. And it's, it's really easy to play. Uh, there's like four controls that you need to know. Move, jump, dive, grab, that's it. I've seen a lot of videos of that game. It does look like it's a hell of a lot of fun. It is, yeah. I I have yet to win a round, but I sure as hell came close. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's what counts, right? Yeah. 
All right. Well, we're way over time for this episode. Um, and I'm cooking alive here in my recording studio, which is also my bedroom. So I've got to get out of here so I can turn the AC on again. Um, Fair enough. Th- yeah, I got to go do some gaming with the boys. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, make sure you follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at little hockey pod. You can follow me, Jordan on Twitter at the letter J S M A L L one seven, seven, one. That's at J small one, seven, seven, one. And you can follow Keegan at L I L underscore little 28. Um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're listening to us. Um, what would really help us out a lot is if you hit uh, subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe again. That'll get us up in the um, algorithms on all of those apps so that other people can find us. Um, and also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We will read any five-star reviews, so please put that up. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say, Geeks? Go Avs and go Canes. Yeah, that's right. Go Canes, go uh... <laughs> we'll, we'll catch you later. What a finish!